My name is Peter Moroni. I'm the executive chairman and founder of Yamana Gold. Yamana is an America's focused company in what we call rules-based jurisdictions with mining pedigree, where we produce between gold and silver, 1 million ounces. So about 88% of that is gold and the balance is silver from five mines in four countries. And we are presently on a growth path that takes us to 1.5 million ounces. And most of that is coming, overwhelmingly, that's coming from uh, assets that are brownfield. And what I mean by that is that it's low capital intensity, expansions of existing operations versus the wholesale development of something completely new. And we're also in the midst of a corporate transaction that would redefine both of the companies. It is a business combination with Goldfields that would put us into that very elite group of the senior most producers in our industry. Well, welcome. I should know. I, I, I'm the I'm the newcomer here to this 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 part of the world. Um, it's good to see you here um, good to see at you. the conference. Um, there's only one store in everyone's lips. I've had lots of CEOs coming up to me and uh, suggesting questions for you, which which I'm ignoring because I just want to talk about the deal. So Goldfields transaction. It's not a done deal. There's a, lot, there's a long way to go. Need 66. Uh, well, two thirds of your shareholders to agree, and 75 percent of Goldfields shareholders to agree. So. Lay it, lay it out for me. I think maybe start from the beginning. Why this deal now? Why this partner? So starting point, if I may, is what is the vote? Because we talk about two thirds and three quarters, but we have to remember that it's two thirds and three quarters of the shares represented at the meeting, not all the shares outstanding. So that threshold is a lower threshold. Mm. And yes, I've also heard 75% is it a high threshold or not a high threshold? Two thirds is a high threshold and three quarters is not that much higher. What we're hearing from a lot of shareholders is they understand the industrial logic of the deal. Implicit in your question is what is that industrial logic? Why this deal? And I think to answer that, if I may, we have to go back a little bit and discuss what's happened in the last couple of years, maybe longer than the last couple of years. We're in a world now where better is always better, but bigger is better today than it ever has been. We have to be relevant as an industry and we have to be relevant as a company in that industry. And even with the corrections that are taking place in the market today, Matt, the reality is that this is a small industry and the companies in it are comparatively small. And so part of the deliberations of our board of directors going back to 2020 is what do we do to become a bigger company? We've got this organic growth, but what else can we be doing? So we've been looking at what can we buy? Where are there business combinations? What is described loosely as uh, mergers of equals, wrap market transactions? And if we were to sell, uh, what is uh, the profile of that likely buyer that would be interested in buying us? And interestingly, and this will not surprise you, there have been a, a plethora of opportunities for us. Mm -hmm. To go to your question of why this one and why now, start with why this one. This is a company that's been in existence since, 18, since 1887. Many of the things that we use in our industry today, many of the methodologies they invented, they're a stalwart and one of the resident experts at Deep Shaft underground mines, operating one of the deepest underground mines, if not the deepest in the world. And our Canadian Malarctic mine will transition from a large open pit to a deep shaft underground mine. 
certainly we have experience, our partner has experience, but it's undeniable that they have more experience than just about any other company out there. So part of the logic to this was that if we take their roughly 2.5 million ounces of production with our million ounces, we become one of the elites. We become one of the larger companies. We gain entry into that club of elite senior level producers. But more interestingly then, now that we have that size and scale of production, is we looked at it and said, when we compare to those peers that are in that elite club, do we have better growth? Check that box. Do we have growth that is low capital intensity? Check that box. Do we have a better ability to convert free cash flow from operating cash flow and forever revenue? Check that box again. Do we have a value proposition? If I combine our market cap and theirs, cumulatively, we're still below the other three companies that are in that elite club. And so there is that value proposition that gets us to a significantly higher level. So across financial measures, valuation measures, growth measures, and, uh, and, and all else, the conclusion that we reached was, this is a company that is worthy of our time and worthy of, of a combination. Right. One final comment, if I may. Yeah. We looked at it and said, market is not reflecting fair value. And I appreciate that there are lots of people out there that will say publicly, my share price is too low. And I get that and I understand. But this is not a public event. This is two arm's length companies that conducted seven months of diligence. And at the end of that seven months, building from the ground up, they didn't rely on our models, we didn't rely on theirs. They took our raw data and recreated their models as we did for their assets, conducting site diligence. The conclusion that was reached was that if I compared net asset value to net asset value, the amount of share price is not reflecting that relative contribution of net asset values. And that's why they were prepared to pay a premium and that's why we're here today. Okay, you you picked up on something that um, which we talk about a lot, which is the fact that this, the, the mining universe is actually quite small. It's, it's smaller than Apple, one company in the tech space. Um, and then you went on to say we 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 need to be relevant, right? But relevant to who in the in the context of what you are now versus what you hoped to become? I adore this space. I think that the. Um, that mining companies do an exceptional job in local communities, beneficiation, creating value, providing opportunity. And uh, I look at it from the broader lens, though, of the investment world, and the investment world is shrinking in our industry. I want it to be different. I want it to be, to be relevant. I want those investment funds that invest in resource resources to become larger than they are. Mm -hmm. But assets under management are significantly smaller today than they have been in the past. So relevance then goes to how do we make the, not only our industry uh, enticing to others, but how do we make the resources funds enticing to others? Ultimately then what it boils down to, the general term that is used is generalists. That's a broad term, broad brush, but it's all other investors that normally would not look at the resource space and what we should be doing as a company, as an industry, and as resource investors is communicating effectively to them what's the value proposition and why is this as good as many of the technology companies that are out there. Right, so you're, but you'll be aiming for institutional uh, generalist funds, generalist investors who typically last in first out when things go wrong in a space they don't understand. So again, you talk about you 
and the industry more broadly um, need have a job to do. How? What, what is that job precisely in terms of that education process? Because I, I can these there are huge funds out there. Some of uh, in fact, I do want to talk about ESG in, in a second, and maybe funds in the context of what the SEC is doing and you know, with regards to ESG as a topic we should talk about. But what, what do you what do you feel you need to tell them? How can you educate them? Why is it your role, or is it just relevant to the transaction that's going on now? And it's, it's something well, we feel we should talk about. Re- really good question. And let me begin answering that by saying that mining is complicated. Running a mine, even a small mine, is the corporate equivalent, industry equivalent of running a a small town. Mm -hmm. The lights have to be on, the water and plumbing has to work, the movie theater has to do what it does. Now, I give that as an analogy. I don't know if that will be well understood. But the point is it's complex in terms of running the mining enterprise. But it's not that difficult in terms of describing to a generalist investor, to a broader investor group, what is the value proposition in the investment thesis? So what do they look for? Well, they look for cash flow. They look for earnings. They look for free free cash flow. They look at value. Uh, They look at the multiple to all of these things. Mm. And so part of what I'm advocating is let's look at those things. Let's not worry about or talk about what metal we produce although clearly that's relevant, but let's talk about the the dollar value of that production and what does that mean to the generalist investor and how does it compare to other industries? Uh, If I may, I have a slide in the presentation that we give Mm. that shows how we fare to other industries. And we fare impressively well. Yes, the multiples across many of the measures have gone up in the last year as some of theirs have come down. But even with this correction taking place in market, these other industries are still trading at multiples to net asset value, enterprise value, debit, uh, cash flow that are significantly higher than where our industry is trading, even with the improvements that we've seen over the last year. That's really what, in, in simple terms, we should be discussing. Okay. I'm, I'm fearful that we'll get away from the matter at hand, which, which is the transaction. I want to understand the mechanics of this, okay? Um, which is, you, you, you describe some of the economics and some of the economic benefits, some of. I think there's probably more, more to talk about. Um, savings, is that is it high on the agenda? Are both companies very efficient as they stand? What are, I don't know what your average ASIC or all-in cost is, how, how you describe that. Is, is it comparable to theirs? Do they, does the upside come from elsewhere? And how much does gold price need to do in terms of the heavy lifting for you? So this is mostly irrelevant to gold price. This is entirely about the quality of their portfolio of assets and the quality of our portfolio of assets. They have a higher cost per ounce than we have presently. But interestingly, theirs is coming down significantly Mm -hmm. as a result of their immediacy of growth. That growth is coming from a, a mine that will soon be in production that has a, an all-in sustaining cost that is well below their average, well below, heck, just about any other average out there. We have growth as well, and that growth will be coming from assets that will be below our cost construct. Although ours is an immediate and longer-term growth, theirs is more immediate growth. It's two pieces of a puzzle fitting together. So it's not about gold price because our cost construct is actually coming down individually as companies and collectively it comes down even more radically over longer, for longer, for a longer period period of time. So what this is really about is what it creates rather than 
um, gold price or anything of that nature. And what it creates is a company that, as I was mentioned, is in that elite club, you know, close to four million ounces of production with growth assets organically in the portfolio that can take it to significantly higher levels and do that at all in costs that are below their 1160 and below our 1080. Right. I want to come back to gold price in a bit, but so just sticking, sticking on this. But the, the due diligence that you've both done to work out, are you? It, it's like a marriage. You know, you're not, or, or, or at least uh, trying to start a relationship. You, you'll have um, looked around elsewhere. Imagine you can't talk about who and what, what was said, but what, what else makes this the perfect fit? Because like, when, you, when you say, if you, if you come together, the management teams for all the different projects will stay as they are. The board, some people will come, some will go, but the philosophy will have to be decided on, well, maybe it has been decided on in terms of what this company is, the new vehicle is going forward. Is it more reflection of you, more reflection of them? Um, is, it, is it something else? So, so, and this touches on part of a question that you answered uh, the preceding question. So what is it that uh, that happens as a result of this this transaction? Well, you, you asked the question earlier about, uh, and, and I should answer the question, uh, about cost savings. And I, I've been, over the course of three careers as a lawyer, investment banker, and now having taken this company public, and having been involved on both sides of the, the uh, the spectrum of the, of, the, of the aisle on business combinations where we've bought uh, and paid a premium in some cases, and now we're, we're effectively selling uh, the company. Uh, and in that context, uh, what, I, what I would say is that I've never really seen the cost savings that is often represented in these decks and these presentations that are put together. We've tried to be conservative in that. We've said we expect to get about 40 million per year of cost savings. Mm -hmm. So if I looked at that over the course of 10 years, that's about $400 million of savings. That's very, very conservative. That's mostly head office costs and rationalizations. I don't think that that's where the rubber hits the road, Matt. Where the rubber hits the road is on efficiencies, optimizations, what I call true synergies, that sometimes are a bit harder to put a dollar value to, but again, in that analogy that I gave of running a small town, you know that it makes the town run better. Mm -hmm. And that means that it makes the town more successful and it makes the town more valuable. So some examples, they're going through a development phase on an asset in Chile. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that it will finish development next year. That's the time frame, And then it will produce an average of 450,000 ounces per year in the first couple of years, significantly higher than that. And they're all in sustaining costs are expected to be below $500 per ounce. But we also know, again, in the context of complexity, we also know that the transition from a development stage asset to operations has its own challenges. So in Chile, they have no other asset, no operations team. We have two mines in Chile that operate, one of which has been operating since 1999 and produces 220,000 ounces of gold equivalent per year. Does it make it easier then to go through that transition? And let me give an example. Their guidance is 216,000 ounces of production next year. Can you get more as a result of those efficiencies, that better transition with an operations team 
that can take it through that transition to operations from development more efficiently. And every ounce that is above the 216,000 is value to shareholders. Mm. I referred earlier to underground experience, deep shaft underground experience. Well, they certainly have that in South Africa. And it is, if not the deepest, certainly one of the deepest underground mines in the world. And our Canadian Malartic mine is transitioning from a big bulk tonnage open pit to an underground deep shaft mine. And what's interesting there is we're estimating between five and 600,000 ounces of production per year on a platform that since 2016, where we had almost zero ounces, just about 1.4 million ounces underground, is now 15.5 million ounces underground. So more than 10 times an increase in literally the last six years. So we have to be looking at it more broadly and saying, what further experiences can be brought to bear that they've had over generations that will allow us to be able to say we can get that production platform, not five to 600,000 ounces, but something substantially more. Okay, but I, I want to push you on this, big is better. I, I do. There's a phrase we use in management consultancy, which is, does it make the boat go faster, right? And that's referencing activities on a daily basis, um, which are you know, creative, truly creative. You know, we don't waste time having conversations which are relevant to making the boat go faster. And it's, it, it strikes me that most big companies are guilty of, of you know, eventually, I don't know, over what period of time, how, how quickly becoming highly inefficient, people are cost insensitive in terms of their decision making. And, you know, things, things do start to kind of get a little bit fat around the edges. And every now and again, you have to have a cull or a clean up and a tidy up. But so, so I want to come back to the question I asked you, which was, if, if this goes ahead, in terms of at board level, what's, what precisely do you create in terms of the, um, the, the nature of the company that you're trying to be and you know, where are you taking it? Other than big is better because you're all throwing off a lot of cash and, and if gold does become an important part of that conversation, it, it does go to two and a half thousand next year. It's, it's, it's all gravy. It's what you do with that money, how you, tell, how you actually deliver that as a growth story rather than plowing it back in the ground or spending I mean, I know there's an all, uh, all share still, which is, is a good start, but um, what do those conversations need to look like between now and shareholder voting? Uh, and what's it look like immediately after that point? So we get a sense of what are we investing in? Not just a big company, a relevant company, uh, and not in, you know, outside of the context of mining, but what am I buying into? So you mentioned bigger is better. And as I said earlier, uh, bigger is m more relevant today than it has been in the past, but it's just entry, right? The rest of it, the financial performance, the financial measures have to be the most relevant part. So you mentioned dividends. Well, dividends require generation of free cash flow and the better ability to convert of a company over another to convert operating cash flow or revenue to free cash flow, mm -hmm. the more flexibility there is then to be able to say, I can give more to my shareholders. Since 2019, we've increased our dividend just about, just a little over 500%. Mm. They have a four, and they have increased their dividend by about 300% within that roughly same time frame. They have a formulaic approach to a dividend that is likely where we would go as a company in any event, paying between 25% and 35% of, of earnings. They're paying closer to the bottom end of that 
But this transaction allows the combined company then to be able to say we can pay at the higher end for longer. And that has to be relevant to, to investors. Okay. But if you, if you want to be relevant in the context of all investments, bigger than mining, tech companies for the last, well, it's had a horrific last six months, but yeah, for the last 15, 20 years, it's been quite good. But they, they're big into their share buybacks. They, 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 Amazon does it, Apple, they, they all do it. And that's what why people plow into those. So these little, well, not little, they're, they're meaningful changes in, in, in attitude to the way that you run a business. Sorry to people listening to this, there's a binging and bonging going on, which I think signals lunch or dinner. But um, we've, you know, do you know what I mean? So do you, if you want to be relevant, be like one of those big companies, the behavior has to change. This is, this is not about the admin of mining, and I don't mean to be derogatory because it's a very complex, hard thing to do, but it's about how you set the company up to be relevant to those larger institutions who have choices outside of mining. So, so the behavior has to change. Yeah. The behavior has changed. It just hasn't been communicated effectively in my view. And yes, everything is an evolution. So it continues to change. I'm not sure if, if the analog, the analogy is, is, is a good one, but technology companies must reinvest back into their R&D. Mm -hmm. And if they're not doing that, then at some point, someone else will overtake them. Yep. Their technology becomes defunct. So if they can demonstrate that they can reinvest into R&D, they can reinvest into the prom promotion of their product that gets more sales, more revenue, and at the same time, they can do stock buybacks or increase the dividend, mm -hmm. then that is efficient. It's an efficiency that, that I think Garner is a better multiple. So let's look at what's happening in our industry, and in particular with our company and with our business partner. Our R&D is investing back into the ground. Our R&D is increasing our proven and probable reserves. Our, te our technology, our mines, our assets do not have a shelf life. Uh, we can mine indefinitely the product that we have if we can demonstrate that what is 10 years of proven and probable becomes 20, becomes 20. So that's our part of our R&D. Part of our R&D also is can we make the operations more efficient so that it costs us less to be able to produce that number of ounces or more. Costs us less to produce more is always the motto. And if you can do all of that and invest back into the ground, invest back into operations, and you have money left over to pay your shareholders as a dividend or stock buyback and to increase that dividend, mm. that's the efficiency to which I, I refer. And in my view, that's where the rubber hits the road on our company, on their company, and in this combination. And to go to a question that you asked earlier, that's why this one to us made sense. We may be a bit more entrepreneurial because we're younger, but there is something to be said with a protocol, process, uh, quality of, of management that goes back a generation or more. So long as you don't lose that efficiency, so long as you can demonstrate that when you're reinvesting back into the ground, you're creating value and have money left over to pay to your investors as a cash return, that's where the rubber hits the road and that investment becomes a good investment. So I, I f it feels to me that there's an opportunity here with the new board, whatever that construct is constructed like and whoever is on there to up their game. Okay, and I mean that in, in a good way. The, the, both teams do a very good job doing what they're doing. But if you, again, want to be relevant at scale, you're going to need the sorts of people 
who talk to the fund managers of these trillion dollar funds and, so, and not talk the game of mining, because again, in, in, in respectfully, that's admin, that's the admin. This is about, you know, you're throwing off a lot of cash here, you know, and you, you, there's a whole bunch of vocabulary which is different that they'll be not used to hearing. Um, what, what's happening between now and then in terms of agreeing is precisely who we're going to be, who's going to be on that board, what this narrative actually is, and do we stop talking the game of mining and try and be bigger than that? Yeah, right. Good, good question and well put. And I'm confident saying to you that both companies, part of what we've done in our diligence is not just look at assets, but look at people. Um, this is about human resources as much as it is anything else. I've often said that the greatest asset, the best asset in a mining company is not the mine or the deposit. It's the people. Mm. And our diligence tells us that this is a competent, capable management that matches the competency and capabilities of our management. And the way to look at this is that we both look at our business, individual companies, so we'll look at the collective company, not as we're manufacturing. There's that chong again. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I feel like we, we should do all conversations to music. It's <laughs> the way but, forward. Uh, it's punctuating the points we're making. Um, it, it's not just... I'd love to be able to say that, not to talk about what we manufacture, what we produce, yeah. other than to say that we produce dollars. Yeah, there you go. Right? And those dollars have to be produced more efficiently than our peers and more efficiently than other companies in other sectors. And I think we can demonstrate that. Doesn't make the vote go faster, um, right? So yes. between now and now and the vote, what are the what are the things that you one hundred percent want to be focusing on? You and all the other board members from from both sides need to be talking about what and what do people need to understand? So if, if you could summarise that, so we spent seven months in the conduct of diligence one on another. Part of what we're doing now is between now and the time that we complete our information circulars to go to our shareholders is to communicate to our in our existing shareholders, but also to the broader investor at large, mm. to communicate what we did in the seven months. And I think you can appreciate that it's, it's difficult in a day or in a couple of days to say, here's what we've done. Mm. It takes a considerable amount of effort mm. and lots of engagement, particularly with our shareholders, ours being the collective, theirs and ours, to be able to say, here's the work that we've done. This is the value proposition that we see they likely will be saying, this is what we can do with Yamana's assets that is more than what is presently there, that we can capitalize and generate more value from their assets. And we're looking at it and saying, yes, we're being paid a premium on the transaction, mm. but we also recognize that there's a value proposition in their shares independently of ours, and then those synergies, those true operational synergies to which I referred. So th th that, the last thing you said is the most important thing to get over to shareholders in the sense that they, well, 75%, right? We, we, we talk, we, you've explained that. that. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work out why they wouldn't. What are the, what are the barriers for you? Because an all-share deal, They've got to believe that your value and the premium they're paid on top of that is worth it as the best use of their effectively money um, or 
you know, they've got to defend that position, right? No, it's not defend. It's, it's, it's a defend the position in the sense that I've got to lay it out, the facts out there. And you've kind of got to also go on the offense and go, why wouldn't you do this deal? Why wouldn't we go and take Yamana over? And you, you're going to have to work on that together. And you've got to, between now and then, the market can't do anything too funky. And you can't have anything go wrong at, at sight, etc. You've got to, you know, you know, you've got to carry on as steadily as you have been. Um, so, what, what would make it fall over? So, so, I can't see anything that would make it fall over. I would say that the, the opposite is true. It's likely that their shareholders and ours will see that value proposition that I described. Mm. The way that we looked at this transaction is paying inherent or fair value. There's a there's a a range. Um, interestingly, if I looked at the consensus estimate of the roughly 14 analysts that cover our stock, and what they estimate based on what they know and the work they've done, which is not the level of detail of the the diligence that would be done over seven months, they came to the conclusion that within a year, our share price would be at the level of this premium being paid. So we're looking at it literally from the perspective that that's not all that's left. And they're looking at it literally from the perspective that after seven months of diligence, we know that there's a lot more. And so that's part of what now needs to be communicated. This transaction is the perfect push-pull of all transactions. We get accretion to short-term cash flow. They get accretion to intermediate and longer-term cash flow. And this transaction is highly accretive to net asset value. Right. That means that even with what is being paid for our stock, yeah. it gets us this ratio of 69%, 61% to 39%. There's still a lot of value that our board felt should be left on the table for the benefit of every every shareholder. Right, so the, con the construct of the, this is going to be really important. Like whether you're a big company or a small company, or a super big company and or a big company or a small company, is if it's not constructed the right way, there's opportunity for people to get hurt uh, or people to ben benefit. You know, we, we've we've seen small genius have. Well, I've definitely been involved in a couple where where brokers have you know no no hold periods or you know bits have been able to trade out day one and things like that um, where you, the board the management seems to take advantage of, of the situation because so much money flowing around to you know enrich themselves so the construct of this is really really important because that will send a signal to not just the shareholders but to the market as to what's just happened so I mean who, who's putting the deal together who's going to shape that so our two companies uh, started with getting to know the managements. And that was in the context of other possible transactions that our board and our management were looking at. The conclusion that we reached was this is a quality management, quality portfolio of assets. There are those operational synergies between theirs and ours. The geologies in some cases are the same, mining methodologies are the same, competencies and experiences can be brought to bear. Maybe the way to describe it is more oars in the water and more hands on the oars as a result of a transaction like this. So at this juncture, we've agreed to terms. We've announced the deal. We've announced a ratio, and that ratio implies a relative contribution of 39% to 61%. We had 39, they had 61. And that corresponds with the bottom end of the net asset value contribution that we bring.
And their diligence demonstrates that there's a lot more upside. And our board's conclusion was, let's leave some of that upside for, for the, the, broader, the broader deal. Let's come out uh, with lots to show. Right. And now we're communicating that. That will ultimately get to an information circular where we describe not only process, but also how we got to where we got to and where we see the value proposition. And that then goes to a, a shareholder vote sometime likely in September. Right. So everyone's going to know exactly where they stand. So what, whatever the construct, whatever the benefits to board management, etc., that's what they're going to be voting voting on as well as does this deal make sense in the broader context of being relevant in the marketplace? That's correct. So you know what you're getting into bed with. That's correct. Okay. We're saying to shareholders, this is the deal. Mm -hmm. This is the background. This is the work that's been done. We're describing that to you as best as we can within the limitations of mm. seven months condensed into a shorter period of time. And now we're leaving it to shareholders then to say, we support the deal, we'll vote in favor. Okay. I'm confident that because the industrial logic is there and shareholders see it, yes, they've given a little bit up. They've given up that short-term cash flow, but we've given up the longer-term and intermediate-term cash flow and the transaction is even with what's being paid, it's accretive to the net asset value. Okay. Well, I guess we'll wait to see what comes out of the, of, of the process you're going through over the next uh, few months. Uh, so w when would you expect to conclude? So we're expecting a shareholder vote by likely September. Okay, relatively. And, yeah. Okay. And conclusion by end of September, early in the fourth quarter. Okay, fine. Um, very quickly, and we're getting signals over here as well. We're eating all the time. Uh, so I like these conversations. Um, is around more consolidation in the market. That's a no-brainer, is it? Well, it's a fragmented industry. Mm. And the cumulative market capitalization uh, you, you mentioned Apple earlier. Uh, I, indeed, I would say that if I take the entire market capitalization of our entire industry, mm -hmm. it's probably a fraction of Apple's yes. market capitalization. And maybe it represents the amount of cash they have on their balance sheet. So it's a small industry. So on the one hand, I see the positive in that because when the floodgates open and the broader investment community comes in and says, money has to go somewhere and I see the value here, mm. it becomes a corporate equivalent of Niagara Falls volume of water through a, through a garden hose. I heard a great phrase yesterday. Exactly. You've got to say, right. And the, the line being used is, uh, my iPhone was born in a mine. <laughs> I quite like that. <laughs> well, many, in many ways, <laughs> well, without, without uh, the metals coming from the ground, exactly. all the things that we rely on, computers, bicycles, mm. iPhones, other phones, the desks and chairs that we do our work at, mm. couldn't exist. So yeah. I, I think that's important. But I, I think the important thing on consolidation is certainly amongst the intermediate producers, maybe the smaller producers, all the way up to the senior producers, is that relevance does matter. You still have to be better, but relevance does matter. And to be relevant, we can't continue to look at this fragmented industry without looking at some ways to make it more consolidated. Right. Well, look, I, I think we've run out of time. There's, I would love to talk to you about ESG. I'd love to talk to you about some of those SEC clamping down on ESG branding on funds uh, uh, for sure, and maybe even a gold outlook. But I think we, we've uh, had a good session. Thank you very much for your Let time. Let me come back to those two points. Absolutely. Lovely. Please yeah. do, because um, that's always, always a good chat. Um, enjoy the rest of the conference. Um, are you here to see anyone specific? I know it's quite a few um, banks have turned out uh, in well, force. There are a few. Um, the conference is in Quebec. Yeah. And there are a few large Quebec funds yeah. uh, that are interested in what we're doing. 
And so we're here in part to speak to them and in part also because we do have assets in northern Quebec. Okay. Peter, we'll see you soon. Good to see you. Thank you.